0: I mean, basically, what Facebook's done is they're moralizing. They've said that their you know, community sentiment is such that this isn't something that they want to take ads for. And this is incredible when you look at you know, Zuckerberg out in Silicon Valley talking about you know, the importance of you know, clarity and, and, and you know, free speech or running Super Bowl ads here in the U.S. talking about how important Facebook groups are.
3: On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're speaking with Amanda Wilson and David Epstein, the co-founders of the sex-positive and non-monogamy-friendly dating app, Hashtag Open. So as our listeners know, uh, online dating is hard. It's a hard world. It's something that we talk about occasionally on this show. And creating an app for online dating I would say is even harder. And so today we're excited to talk to uh, both Amanda and David about some of the challenges in creating an app like this, what they're doing to try to make online dating better, as well as some of the challenges that have come up with that, and also some kind of real world talk about the world of online dating and and what's going on there. So Amanda and David, thank you so much for joining
4: us. Thank you for having us. We're we're really excited to be here as well.
2: Yeah. So I want to start out just with the elevator pitch for what hashtag open is. And I kind of want to (laughs) hear what I'm curious about is like, what's the pitch that you use when you're describing the app to people who are kind of already, let's say bought in, like already part of a non-traditional relationship or community or sexuality or identity or something like that versus how do you pitch or describe the app to someone who like is totally new to any of this and had no idea non-monogamy was even a thing?
4: Um, that's a great question. Uh, you know, for for the people that are already bought in, I think we the elevator pitch is really letting them know that the tools have been built for them. Um, you know, setting your boundaries and talking about your interests and your preferences, you know, that's so important. And and those people that have bought in, they've also bought into the communication aspect side of relationships, right? And uh, and th- that can be hard. Um, I know words are not always my best friend. Um, so, you know, we, we built in tools inside of the app to make having those communications as, as easy as possible. You know, we have a section right there to where you can state what your hard limits are. And again, you have words aren't you know, your friend being able to state that right there and, you know, not ever have to really have, you know, a conversation further is useful for a lot of people. Um, so I think that is the the pitch for, for those that are bought in. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think that um, what we've tried to do certainly um, really for folks who do understand sort of consensual non-monogamy and the the framework around and the ethics around those choices or people who um, maybe are curious about and looking to explore it. We've tried to create a process where coming into the app and coming into the app community gets, as Amanda said, people to think about their preferences, think about what their boundaries are, and um, start to understand that communicating them is a must, right? Um, So everybody who comes through um, the app process agrees to really like a code of conduct within the community, and that's really all based around, um, you know, negotiation, um, inclusion, consent um, and, and making sure that your experiences are um, something that, you know, that, that, that you're doing with really an open eye and, and, and open to communicating. Um, and these are things that um, are good in any relationship, but especially good in a, in a non-monogamous relationship.
2: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I'm curious to know a little bit more about like the origin story of kind of how this whole journey started for both of you.
4: Well, we can start with me. Um, I uh, moved to the Northeast about six years ago, and met David five years ago, and um, had you know, a couple of years of uh, of dating, uh, b- call it platform experiences, right? Because um, <laughs> I, I did them all.
2: <laughs> that's and the, that's uh, the best like euphemism I've heard for like going onto the online dating app grind ever. We've <laughs> had multiple platform, platform experiences. experiences, yeah. And well,
4: and I remember platforms. when eHarmony was, you know, a bubble sheet that you used to fill out and actually mail back in. And then they would mail whoa. you your 10 preferences whoa, or your whoa, whoa, 10, whoa. you know, matches for that month. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, so it, I, I've been around Did They a
1: give while. you like little cards with faces of the people and they're
4: like, hello. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> tra- like baseball cards? Yeah. I, I yes. <laughs>
4: That's awesome. So, you know, I had all, all of this experience and as David said, we're kind of early adopters. So we would get in on those, you know, tender and field and stuff in the very beginning and um, and would see how people would come into the community and then how it would change with people trying to, you know, do different workarounds with different Different things because you know all these platforms are really trying to push you into you know one of two binary boxes, and if that doesn't fit you, because there's so many people that that doesn't fit for, um, you know having all having options to to meet that.
0: You know, Amanda had come, as she said, from the south, um, um, a single mother who had built a career in Republican politics and um, came to the Harvard Extension School basically to study, like, democratization. And, um, you know, in getting there, I know that you felt like it was like just a rapid fire learning a new culture and new ways of people interacting. And I remember, you know, we met, was it a year into that experience for you? It was. We, you know, we started to communicate. We met on an app that um, was definitely um, catering to people that were outside of the sort of more norm, um, and started communicating and just started communicating very clearly with each other and very honestly with each other, um, and that was really refreshing for both of us. Um, and that's really, you know, it was it was that process that um, kind of gave birth to the app, I think, in many ways.
2: So were some of your initial messages to each other like, "Hey, you're cute. This app sucks. Let's make a better one." And here we are, five years later.
1: <laughs> yeah, were you non-monogamous at this point, or are you, or interested in it?
4: Um, you know, I would say that I probably I came from a very traditional um, background, and uh, uh, monogamy was always just kind of the the style that. I was in because I didn't really know, I didn't know anything else. And, you know, it's so the uh, default option. Yes, this is the default option. But then as I started, you know, really meeting people outside of uh, where I came from and and just talking to them, just realizing that there's, there are, there are other ways to do this and, and better ways. Monogamy, I think is great for anybody that, you know, consciously chooses it, but mm. That, that's the difference.
0: Um, I mean, really, what had, had happened? Um, you had created a profile in this app with um, a, with another person that you hadn't met, but you had done that kind of to create some some.
4: Well, the the the, the differences for um, females inside of these apps uh, and and males are are quite different, right? And so for me saying no is, it's not something that I like to do. And um, so constantly having to say no to so many people was was just becoming challenging. And so I I did create a uh, a fictitious partner in order to...
0: Uh, it was a virtual partnership. Virtual, I mean, they, yes, weren't, virtual. they weren't fictitious, but it created a <laughs> virtual partnership and was looking to meet, you know, other, you know, individuals to explore. But but you're really uh, you're really a sole agent as everybody is.
4: Yes we're all we're all individuals coming into these these partnerships. so.
0: But the answer to the question that that app um, it exists today and um, and it, it is popular in the space we um, felt for a lot of reasons that we wanted to do things a bit differently um, it's a, it's a It's definitely a, a tremendous amount of work and, and we've had a lot of fun and and have built um, something really incredible um, but it's hard
3: and just because I'm curious uh, this this app you're talking about was this is this like are you talking about FetLife or tinder or what what is this app
4: well so we met on what is now known as field uh it was known as thrinder back then but has been renamed
3: right and so you so amanda you were like a single female profile on thrinder and yeah okay i see so just getting like a lot of messages and things like that Mm -hmm. that. okay that makes sense now i have more context i'm like okay
2: yeah, I Hence yes. so. the need for a virtual partnership. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes.
1: So you alluded to this a little bit, but I'm interested in what your research process was behind building the app, because there there have been, like, I, I guess between 2009 and 2014, um, OkCupid, pub- OkCupid published a big study kind of done on their demographic preferences of some of their, um, the people who are using their app, and it talks about race and attraction and also demographics and attraction and various things. And they did say after their initial findings that they made major changes to improve their product for everyone who is using it. So I'm just curious, did that influence the way in which you made your app? Uh, What other things potentially influenced the findings that you had and your app in general?
0: I mean, hugely right i mean you talk about dataclysms all the time yes is that are you referring to the dataclysms work and study dataclysms. hold on hold on
2: one second Dataclisms is probably yeah, what's the best that? word probably That's like a, the second best like word like cataclysm that I've heard in this interview. data second to, <laughs> second to what multiple platform experience now it's dataclysms you gotta explain that So,
4: Dataclysm's uh, OKCupid was started by four mathematicians, um, and one of them wrote a book just on all of the data that they have collected and trends that they have seen um, throughout OKCupid over over the years. So, and it's... Absolutely fascinating. I recommend it for anybody. And <laughs> was that the scary. name
1: of the book? Yeah. Dadaposal.
4: Yes. Was Dadaposal. Dadaposal. Okay. Okay. So okay. There it is. Yeah. 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 Okay. That and, sense.
0: and I think that is the initial research that OkCupid okay published that you're referring to. Right. So, yeah. you know, based on their observations of human behavior through their dating platform, and um, and really through you know through the first year of our relationship. You're reading that material and and sort of looking at um at the time I remember you were studying like cybersecurity and this fictitious hack that the Soviets might do on the Ukraines and talking about Facebook and like lo and behold, this is exactly what was happening, right? Mm-hmm. So you take, you know, the observations and dataclysms about okay, Cupid and dating. And now you apply it to Facebook and you look at the fact that whether it's Field, the app that we met on that uses Facebook for login or it's Tinder or every other match product um, that, you know, 99 out of a hundred dating platforms out of there are directly meshed with the Facebook data engine and then look at a book like Dataclysms and imagine. Hmm. Right. And that's really a big part of why we did this.
3: Hmm. Yes. What were some of those then design choices that you made based on that for your app to try to make it different from those?
0: Well, based on, on you know, Amanda's concerns about the data privacy issues um, and in particular concerns around the potential for um, people to weaponize that data, mm-hmm, um, right. we knew that we had to write a privacy policy that kept our database sacrosanct. So we don't share with any third parties. We don't use any third party login or authentication. Um, we don't have any data exchange um, that um, that we get um, inbound or outbound other than um, checking the telephone number database to assure that, that we're using a, a cellular phone number and that's really for fraud purposes. Um, but we don't, unlike any of our um, Sizeable competitors. Um, we don't share anything with Facebook. We don't share anything with Match. We don't share anything with Procter
1: and Gamble. Wow! Oh, good. that's very unique <laughs> good. And, and lovely.
2: <laughs> yeah, so very refreshing. So yeah, that that kind of leads into my next question. You know that you know you really intentionally wanted to kind of avoid that that crossover and that sharing of data and things like that. Um, so. You know, I do feel that like when we're talking about the non-monogamy dating scene specifically, this this arguably niche, maybe arguably not niche dating scene. And I think that over the years, we've seen a very noticeable shift in how non-monogamy has entered mainstream conversations about dating. You know, there's definitely been a few other attempts at making dating apps or sites or meetups or things like that aimed at non-traditional relationships. You know, we've seen, at least I've personally seen an explosion of people online identifying as polyamorous or non-monogamous on more mainstream dating apps like Tinder. Um, You know, I mean, there's an op-ed in the New York Times about the explosion of couple profiles on Tinder specifically, we've seen things like a couple of years ago, Oka Cupid, you know, expanding their filtering and, and profile systems to be more friendly to non-monogamy and, and a variety of d- different gender identities. And despite that, you know, there's definitely still a lot of people in the community frustrated by a lack of options, you know, and I think combined with, uh, I think a lot of people also starting to feel fatigued by dating apps. And so I wanted to know from the two of you, like when you were setting out to make this app, what were the things that you felt were like really, really missing, maybe still missing right now, and that you felt that, you know, hashtag open could offer that was different from everything that was that was available at the time? Well, I think,
4: you know, at the very basic level, the, the Biggest difference is, you know, Hashtag Open was built by users for users. So, you know, it did take the experience that David and I had. It, um, you know, now incorporates the experience of all of the other women that are on our team. Um, So... When you're when you're building it with those things in mind, rather than trying to build it to collect data or to you know for some other kind of reason, then then you're not really truly allowing people to be as authentic as they really want to be. I mean, people people want to be themselves. They want to show themselves that that is a process, you know, for them. Um, but you know, we just really wanted to uh, build a platform that, that again, was for the users and always had their their privacy and their security in mind from from the very beginning. You know, rather than it being an afterthought. You know, we put those uh, um, resources that we could into you know making sure that we were as as secure as we could be from, from the beginning. Um,
0: You know, Amanda put forward some challenges um, as we were trying to, to design the initial offering. And like the first one was, I don't want people to have to choose labels. Mm. Okay. You know, we get that, but people also, they like labels. And so, you know, what, how do we, you know, how do we mesh this? And so we decided we just made a decision across the boards that in every area where the app might ask a user a question, they had the option not to answer that question. They also had the option to customize that answer. Um, and just, you know, y- using that as a design approach um, across the boards has enabled us to um, realize you know, close to 10% of our users identifying outside the gender binary. Um, you know, we've got about, I think it's about 54% of our users um, are, are currently uh, identifying as male or cis male. Um, about 35%, uh, woman or, or, or cis, um, female and, um, the balance is, is outside that spectrum and that, I don't know if that would have happened if we didn't give people the the flexibility of labels. Um, and we're seeing that in a bunch of places.
2: Yeah. Do you also apply the same approach to like, you know, how people define their relationship status? Cause mm. I know that was also a big thing. Um, you know, when OkCupid made their big shift to suddenly become more non-monogamy friendly that I know that a lot of people felt that it also kind of fell short because it was kind of the same thing of like, I'm still a little bit trapped by a box of, of you know, essentially like the two or three or maybe even four max options of how I can label my relationship
0: so we do. Um, we um, we actually have four categories of sort of statistics that we publish live on our website each night um, at midnight, and those um, are um, the gender um, breakdown of the user community and the um, choices that they're making from the um, sort of pre-selected options, um, uh, and then other. Um, we have. Um, uh, orientation, um, relationship style, and relationship preference. Um, and again, all of those have the ability to take uh, custom labels. And, and with time, we'll update those lists. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I'm curious about how were those lists generated in the first place? And, and is there a process in place? Because I know that, like you said, with everything, there's some set options, but you can also choose your own. I'm curious, is there any kind of a process in place for a choice kind of entering the main list or perhaps being removed from the main list based on choices
0: or, or ethical concerns right or anything? Choices. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, there, there, uh, so the short answer is yes, in that we're continually developing, and we always have the ability to update things. Um, the longer answer is everything is more challenging than, than we ever would have imagined. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, depending on the sort of, I mean, we can get, you know, almost anything done, um, 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 but it's a matter of time and, and money. And you know, one of the reasons that we don't see a lot of options in this space is it's a challenging space to attract investment, and it's a challenging space to promote that which you have, right? So what we have today um, has like oodles of room for improvement, but we have to also get what we have today out there into the marketplace, and, and you know, we, we agree and believe that there's tremendous demand, but have gotta be able to reach, to reach those folks. Um, so there's some chicken yeah. and egg, I guess.
2: Since you brought it up, I am curious about that, and I'm, we don't necessarily have to go here. So you know, stop me, but but I am curious. Like, you know, is this something where have have you been seeking investment? Because I imagine that that must be just such. That was kind of why I was curious about the elevator pitch. Is because I imagine that like on the one hand, when I think about like Silicon Valley venture I'm like, Oh, yeah. they're all non-monogamous, <laughs> which is kind of making <laughs> maybe an assumption, but, but then on the other hand, also when you're trying to like get investment for a product like this from mainstream quote unquote, mainstream sources, like there's an inherent challenge in that. What's been your experience with that?
4: It's been exceptionally difficult. Um, you know, we being also sex positive and relationship positive. Um, Means that, uh, you know, for Facebook, uh, that that is just too outside of the box for them. And and Facebook really seems to be the leader for, you know, all the other companies because so, um, so, we have been denied by Facebook, which is also Instagram and uh, um, Reddit, Snapchat, um, Twitter. Twitter, Twitter. Wow. On the investment Reddit? Really?
0: Good yeah. Course. Well, Reddit, uh, what Reddit did initially is they, um, we submitted an application and they said that they wouldn't take it uh, on the basis of, you know, we, we, they tend to put us in the mail order bride category um, or the Ashley Madison, uh, you know, cheating, paid cheating sites, uh, that they wouldn't take our, um, our promotion. And so we went back and said, Well, you know, this is really quite odd, but um, Why, you know, why, why are you taking promotions from field? It's really the same thing. And sadly, because this was not our intent, but literally 15 minutes later, field was no longer there. Um, This is, it's all related to FOSTA and SESTA, really, um, is a big part of it.
1: And we've heard of uh, an ongoing petition happening surrounding this. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
4: Yes, I filed a petition and it has been signed by over 2,000 people currently, Um, but basically calling Facebook out on their censorship and, and also their hypocrisy.
0: And basically, what Facebook's done is they're moralizing. They've said that their, you know, community sentiment is such that this isn't something that they want to take ads for. And this is incredible when you look at, you know, Zuckerberg out in Silicon Valley talking about, you know, the importance of, you know, clarity and 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 you know, free speech or running Super Bowl ads here in the U.S. talking about how important Facebook groups are. You know, one of the things that Amanda points out. Um, you know, in her petition is that there are hundreds of thousands of people on Facebook who explore various forms of consensual non-monogamy. So it's just crap. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I wonder where he gets that from or where whomever gets that idea that, you know, the user doesn't want this or that that's the consensus from the user, like where I I have no idea where they're getting that from.
4: Neither do we. Mm.
2: Yeah. And I mean, just to rope our listeners in, you know, recently you have been getting some news coverage about this, like Business Insider. I know a couple other outlets did a write up about this, um, that it really has been this this kind of mind boggling thing that, you know, the response that you've gotten from Facebook being something along the lines of like, well, the, the this is not what the community wants. And also that the community's not ready for any kind of casual dating which is like a, just a, a statement that I can't even wrap my brain around. Um, like I just really can't wrap my brain around this idea that the community is not ready for casual dating. First of all, um, but Facebook dating
0: is not casual.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, combined with the fact that, you know, as you also have pointed out kind of in your campaign around this, that like, you know, more mainstream apps like, OkCupid okay have, Posted ads that are, you know, sexually suggestive in nature, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously nothing explicit, but that they have suggested, hey, you might use this app to have sex with somebody, you know, and that's a good thing. And so why not try it out combined with, you know, Facebook, of course, also, you know, authenticating like logins for Tinder and stuff like that, which is, um, you know, last time I checked, Tinder did not have the reputation of being only for like long-term soulmate relationships. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) it really is this, this... um, really really interesting really really fascinating thing that i think especially for what the two of you are trying to do which is like a sex positive app that's not just about hookups that's also open to non-monogamy polyamory stuff like that that um the knee-jerk reaction would be so strong in that direction
0: well and it is interesting you know you posed the question earlier about investment and we we have self-funded this um so um we've put everything that we have into it and been fortunate that we've been able to borrow but we don't have traditional corporate backing and um, you know frankly would like to avoid that right we have a privacy policy that's not attracted to venture capital right venture capital wants to invest in selling in in, in in building a database and selling it well if you read our privacy policy you'll see that we could never really sell hashtag open in in that way our interest is in building a set of tools and we'd like to see others do the same Um, and we think some are doing this but building a set of tools that'll serve a community that's underserved and then being rewarded for doing that i mean that's a really good long-term business model right you know 10 15 20 25 percent of our users might be happy to contribute you know a latte a month or a chai a month or whatever their thing is um, for a set of tools that um, are you know built with efficacy and transparency and and um, but if we can't get to them, we can't do that. Mm. And that's really that's that's why the petition um, and, you know, we were really excited. That article and frankly, some mentions within Facebook um, drove over 5000 new profiles this weekend, which for us is huge, oh, wow. is massive. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Right.
2: So silver lining for sure. Yeah. Now. I I think that that approach that, that you're taking of like, we're not just trying to build a database and then sell it and get VC money and stuff like that. I like, I do think that's the correct approach. It does make me think that I do think there is kind of an irony though, that like once you're able to prove that a community is a market and that you can sell to them, that's sometimes another domino in the chain of acceptance, right? Which Mm. is, I mean, awful, you know, it's late stage capitalism at its finest and stuff like that. But, but that is like, I think kind of the weird struggle and weird irony, Um, you know, and and it's definitely brought up some weird feelings for me as I've seen other more mainstream apps or other people trying to launch like a more traditional VC, you know, um, funded kind of dating app for non-monogamy is this idea of like, well, this seems like a cash grab, but then at the same time, in our capitalist society, it is an indicator of like, oh th- this is a legitimate group of people because you can sell to them.
0: <laughs> it's a huge opportunity and we're capitalists. Exactly. We just, you know, but we but we also have a long term view and we would love to provide a set of tools and have a, a team that builds those tools for years and years to come. And, and it's a community that looks for those kinds of solutions, but definitely the, the big players, um, I mean, in the year that we've been doing this, we've seen their sort of pivot around LGBTQIA plus like, you know, I mean, you know, our, our gender and orientation diversity is is not as unique as it was a year ago. And that's great. It's a good thing. And, and, yeah. and that's because of what's going on in the culture. It's got nothing to do with us. Mm.
3: Right. Totally. Yeah. I, I want to talk, A little bit more about kind of the monetization stuff as well as more about the security stuff that I think is really interesting. And then we want to get into kind of talking about some of the like ethics and politics of online dating and some of the choices and things like that. But before we get to all of that, we want to take a quick moment to talk to our listeners about ways you can support this show to help it keep going if we're providing something that gives you value. And if not, then feel free to skip ahead and uh, listen to the rest of it. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day.
2: To get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code MULTI.
3: So to go back to this question of of money, right? Um, I know that hosting a database and hosting like the infrastructure for an app as well as the marketing it and all of those things cost money and they can cost quite a bit of money and they cost money every month. It's not just like you spend once to to make it and then it's done, right? It's something that is an ongoing expense. And so I'm curious about, you kind of alluded to it a little bit that your eventual kind of monetization model for this would be what? Like a premium features kind of thing, like OkCupid, or that the whole thing would become paid? Because I, I do think that Like the thing that made OKCupid unique in the beginning was the fact that it was free, you know, and that you could use almost all of it for free. Uh, And that's still true, right? And I do think that's really interesting when at the time it was competing against Match.com, where you had to pay to do basically anything at all, right? Besides create the profile. If you want to do anything, you had to pay. And same with eHarmony and, you know, all those other kind of big, like mainstream apps. And that was kind of what made them different and so so far hashtag open feels similar in that it's free and I'm just curious like what are your plans moving forward in terms of of cost and things like that
0: so um, scale is ultimately the the challenge Um, we've always believed that the basics have to be free to everybody in order for it to be a viable community and frankly we, we kind of feel like Pretty much everything we're doing now is the basics. We obviously want to do them better, and we've got you know I think 900 tickets in our system of ongoing bugs, and that that number just you know c- continues to roll. But um, <laughs> so the so the basics. Um, we always need to be available for the community, and especially in this community, because we know that a lot of people um, don't have the kind of resources um, to be both, you know, open about the choices they've made in their life and um, necessarily able to do that everywhere. Um, what we, um, we are a, a Delaware um, B, it's not called a B Corp, what's it, a B LLC?
1: Oh, is it not an LLC? But yeah, it Delaware's is, yeah. the way to go. You don't have to pay taxes, <laughs> And, or and especially if you have no
0: revenue. If you have no revenue, you're, you, you get like an extra yeah. double tax credit. Um, but we're what is the equivalent of a? Um, it's called a B Corp. Um, we have to go through the entire process of certification, but our mission includes reinvesting back into um, the community that we serve, and that you know that's really something that you've taken the lead on.
1: Yeah, what does that look like? Yeah, exactly. That was one of the things in your mission statement, and I found that to be very interesting because that's not the idea of community, I don't think, is very large in Field or, I guess, in OKCupid or any of that. And you really care about giving back to the community in various ways. So I'm very interested in what that looks like to you.
4: Well, and, you know, becoming a, a B Corp uh, and, and just really having the ability to remember that, like, our mission is, uh, is the most important thing. As David said, we are also capitalist and we have to have money to make this thing, um, you know, go forward. But uh, being, uh, you know, marginalized, uh, and that includes women, right, um, it is... Uh, already a, you know, a hurdle, right, just in in your life. And so, you know, anything that we can do to potentially um, put money back into, you know, research, right? Uh, and, and as David was saying earlier, you know, as far as like money and big money, People aren't putting money into kink research, or you know, maybe BDSM can cure the common cold. We don't know because you know nobody's really out there putting the money in there and yeah. researching that specifically, right?
0: And basically, what the what the B Corp structure does for us is enables us to create. To your question um, about revenue models, um, incentives for more and more people to participate in supporting the project. So let's say um, we uh, approach the community at a point later this year and say, listen, um, it does it, you know, it takes following to support this effort. We're going to keep investing, but we would like um, those that can to support and give back. If you can participate at this level per month, um, you will receive this in digital badging, you could receive these additional enhanced features, um, you know, some right now um, that are under consideration, um, you know, would be potentially things like last active or potentially knowing who's already liked your profile, although, again, we, we talk about those, there are pluses and minuses, but a set of enhanced features at a very modest monthly recurring rate, and when we reach uh, 10% of our user community um, uh, doing that, we want to make the following donation to the Woodhull Institute, as an example. Um, to really just use things that will drive growth back within the community um, and resonate for the community.
2: That's great. Right, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. yeah. The question is, when can we do that? And our feeling has been that um, we need to grow a bit more to do that, that, that the, the interactivity needs to increase a little bit.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that at least for me in terms of, you know, in terms of looking at the dating apps out there and that of everything I've seen so far that's actually got off the ground, um, that open is the first one, or hashtag open is the one that seems like, the the first one that um, has options besides just being overly sexualized or just about couples looking for women to have sex with, which, mm. you know, Field kind of fell into that trap. Um, and I know that, I, I know people who have met partners and have had good relationships through through Thrinder or Field, and you two are an example of that. However, I know that most people's experience with it is like, oh, I liked the idea, but all it is is couples looking to hook up with someone. And like when openminded.com did their bid for trying to make an app that that was very much like we're going to, you know, sell your information and also put it on, you know, Trump lovers who date and also on, you know, uh, John McCain lovers who date. Right, we're just going to like sell it to every dating <laughs> niche site out My God, there. Chase. <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is this is a real this is a real thing that the, there's this whole network of dating sites for certain niches oh, yeah, where all yeah, the data is that. shared between them. It's all right.
2: shared. Is John McCain? I, I don't know. I don't for know
0: if John lovers. McCain Lovers that, Okay. I'm going to no make that
2: URL of just johnmccainisforlovers.com. Oh, uh, I see John McCain is for lovers. <laughs> and, oh, is that. for lovers. That's oh, good. Rest in peace, John McCain. He was my <laughs> <laughs> <in> Arizona. <laughs> Arizona. Represent Arizona. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jace, please continue.
3: Anyway, yeah, what I'm trying to get at is I, I appreciate what you're doing. And I think that hashtag open is sort of the closest toward that that I've seen. And I agree that having a user base is always the problem with any startup dating app that like you've just got to have the users so that it's useful to people, so there's people to meet. Um, I do know, however, that I've found in looking through it, it does seem like there is kind of also a lot of this like looking for hookup thing. And as someone who is maybe less... At least I feel less than average, like motivated by sex compared to some people, or motivated by kink. I've I have experienced a little bit of frustration, being like, Ugh, okay, like is there any way for me to make this search better for that for people who are, um, I don't know, looking for for something else besides hookups. You know, I think there's value to both, and I'm just or
1: who are even asexual or yeah, it's something right. along those lines. Yeah.
4: Well, so, you know, again, we feel like we built the tools to allow our users to, um, to, to really state what their end game is, so, um, state what you're looking for, that, that should be allowed, right? Um, if you are just looking for somebody to hook up with this weekend, and that, that's the only reason when you're on a dating app, you should be able to say that because there's mm-hmm. probably right. somebody else who just wants to hook up for this weekend and never talk to you again, too, right? Um, David and I have always said that that like if we could just get the exhibitionists up with the voyeurs, then you know everybody is happy. And and this is part of what hashtag open I think will really do. And if it really works well, it's going to make all of the other dating platforms work even better too, right? Because by allowing our users to state what it is that they're looking for, other people are going to find them and they're going to do that based upon what their interests are or what kind of experience it is that they want to have. So... Um, you know, if they, they are swingers and they just want to have, you know, one night, they should be able to say that and, and there will be somebody else that will will meet that. So, you know, taking some of the, the importance off of the labels, and again, you know, I know people, if you like them, you like them. If you don't, you don't. Uh, um, yeah. But taking some of you know the importance off of that and really bringing it back down to you know what type of person is it do you want to meet what type of relationship do you want to have you know i call it a relationship choice approach but if you if you know going into this that you want to have a you know xyz relationship and and you put that out there well then you're only looking for other people that want to have an xyz relationship too right so it allows you to to find each other hopefully in a more authentic way because you know dating is also changing right um it, it, we're no longer in a in a according system right uh mm-hmm. dating is changing and dating is different for everybody and and we should be able to just say what that is for us and then and then find someone
0: you know one of the things that um, we notice as we as we look at those daily statistics is how um, how quickly various things will change as an example um, over the last few days the percentage of people within the database that identified as polyamorous went from 21 to 26 percent that's huh. huge right yeah um, and so um, so I think you know, that particular profile surge came largely from the poly community, and, um, and you would see more profiles that are going to reflect those values. But at the same time, um, there is a lot of space and a lot of overlap with the kink community or, um, at you know, thankfully at this point with the general population.
3: Okay, so, so something I'm curious about. So say that our listeners are listening to this episode right now, and they're going, huh, this is interesting. I'm going to try it out. If they're like me, it it works pretty different from other dating apps. And there's a little bit of a learning curve. And I'm wondering if... You don't need to go over the basics right now because I think they'll figure that out. But some things about like... So you put down different like hashtags of either things you're looking for or that you're open to or what are your hard limits, things like that. How does that affect... results you see or do you have to search intentionally for those just kind of like what's can you give me kind of the tips of like how do you actually use the platform the best
0: as you come into the app um, you um, decide whether you want to create a solo profile or a partnered profile or both Um, at the moment um, partner profiles are limited to two individuals but we're very much committed to expanding that as resources are available um it's a current design limitation. Um, and as you create your profile, um, you know, it's got some elements of a traditional dating app where you're adding photographs and some, some sort of um, demographic information, if you will, um, all of which is optional and you control at a very high level what's seen and not seen. Um, but um, really through the research, you know, and numerous books and discussions that Amanda had and others on the team had with people around the right ways to set up an expression of sort of wants, needs, and desires, if you will. Um, we take you through an interview process asking you to think about your preferences, um, things that you're open to, and there's a hashtag list that you can pick from. That list has been growing, and that's a very imperfect system um, and one that needs editing, but but it's there, and, and it does serve to um, help people think about um, what they're open to, what they're interested in. And in fact, all of those lists, you can sort of custom name them. Those are just suggestions.
4: And right. one thing to, to note and point out, our sign-up process does take a little bit longer because we don't use Facebook to, to right. you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, normally Facebook would kind of go ahead and pre-populate some of those things in there uh, for you. So it does right. take... Yeah, the last that we've talked about. Um, it's worth the the extra time not to share any data with Facebook, in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Um, and then at that point, your um, profile is is available in the community, um, and you know, based on a set of boundaries that you'll enter around um, what sorts of profiles you're interested in seeing and being seen by, and distance and some age parameters, um, and you can further filter those by the hashtags that we just talked about if you want. Searching by them. Yes. Yeah. So in fact, so if you were, let's say you were looking at a grid of people in the New York metro area and you wanted to look at people who specifically had hashtag BDSM or hashtag polyamory. Or hashtag rope you apply that filter and now you're looking at folks um, with that hashtag and one of the things actually we do when you do a search is we don't only show you people that you've mastered that, that you've liked we also show you folks that you've passed on because when you're doing a search on a hashtag we think it's it's worth sort of seeing what you might have missed See, that's you know, more so of I, a visual you kind pass. Of get a second
3: chance on the yes always if you're searching specifically for something that they've put that's interesting okay that's good to know
2: mm. Yeah. So, you know, we're about coming up on time here. And what I want to ask is, you know, you're making a product for a community that is extremely diverse in variety, as in, you know, everyone from people who are asexual and polyamorous versus maybe I'm just monogamous and kinky or I'm only BDSM and aromantic, you know, and as well as like the whole palette of like gender identities and sexualities and things like that. So you're making a product for a community that's both really diverse and I think also extremely picky at the same time um like are you pulling your hair out all the time because i feel like i would be you know (laughs) i feel like even for us with our show or with the things that we write or produce you know that it is just this inherent challenge of like a community that spans a lot of different identities and also there have i think very high standards for Mm -hmm. what it is that they want and expect and
4: and You know, we have built upon that. We have, you know, a set of community guidelines that everybody has to agree to before coming into the app. And then we, we hold people accountable to those things. Um, you know, we have a moderation policy that has been built with the help of Jacqueline Friedman, um, who is you know, great. She just had a book that came out. Um, but, you know, really making sure that we have, like, this human touch to our our moderation. And we actually, you know, to this point, have had uh, no problems, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really great question. What I've seen um, at Pride Parade after Pride Parade or, um, you know, various expos and events that we've gone to is people come up to Amanda and hug her. Um, and thank her for the ability to express themselves. And, you know, earlier we were talking about why we did this and why we've been doing this. And actually, you know, meeting on that app for both of us was a process of sort of self-exploration and discovery that that changed our lives. I mean, it dramatically changed our lives. And we felt like and feel like that's what this technology can do for people and bringing them together. And so, you know, we used to talk about kind of jokingly, like if you grew up and you were always kind of interested in clown tipping, this fictitional thing where sleeping clowns get what? tipped over in the night.
3: <laughs> right. We, we right. It, oh, like right. crowd tipping, tipping, but right, for right. clowns. It's okay. Got it.
0: <laughs> and you had all the shame of growing up being into clown tipping. And one day you go out there and you meet another person, and you really don't care how they identify, they're into clown tipping. You all of a sudden just have this magical moment. And that's, you know, that's one of the great things that the internet has been able to do for us and that um, these apps, we think if done, and we're not suggesting we're doing it right, we have one take on it and, you know, we're all over the place, clearly, and we're trying to get, you know, too much done with too little time and resource, but, but if they would go a little deeper, um, they could be so much more powerful than this crud that's out there um, and collect, connecting clown tippers and that's, that's cool.
2: Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think that's a really wonderful note to end on for now. So if people want to know more about your app, and also if they want to sign this petition, where should our listeners go?
4: Well, they could come to our website, which is hashtag spelled out hashtag open.com. And we have links on there to to the petition. Um,
0: As well as the app in the uh, Apple App Store and uh, on Google Play. Um, There are about 45,000 users right now worldwide, mostly um, here in the U.S., and um, um, on our site, there's a whole lot of sort of statistical breakdown information about those users, which Mm -hmm. we're really proud of the diversity, um, which has come from our team, uh, from wonderful community ambassadors that we've worked with, uh, and from great feedback that that we got from our initial uh, 5,000 beta users as well.
2: Excellent. Excellent. So thank you so much, David and Amanda for joining us today. We are actually going to stay on with David and Amanda to uh, talk a little bit more deeply in our bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers. We're going to be talking a little bit more about some of the technical stuff, some security stuff, some of the inner tinkerings of the app itself, as well as maybe talking about online dating ethics in general. So we would love to hear from all of you listening. Have you used hashtag open before as an app? What was your experience? How have your experiences been on other dating apps? We'd love to hear from you. The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash Multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiemory.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 678-MULTI05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenwerke and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Onage from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.